This is Infants on Thrones. Listener Action. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and this is our November 2018 Listener Essay Contest, where you, the listeners, get to say what you want to say, how you want to say it, where you want to say it, and it is more than a privilege that that where gets to be here, that we get to host these on Infants on Thrones, where so many of us are all infants sitting on different kinds of thrones, right? Today's essay comes from Paul and is titled in the stranger's guise. And after you listen, please go to our website and vote for it and provide the author some personal feedback. Winners will be announced in early December. First place gets $200, second place $100, and third place $50. All right, ready, set. All right, go ahead. Well, the weather for the whole area will continue much the same as the past few days. Harrison Memorial Hospital, Bremerton, Washington, 527 p.m. I was born to a woman I have never met, sharing the DNA of a man I do not know the name of. I was placed for adoption at birth. The agency that handled the adoption was LDS Social Services. What I know of my birth parents is what my adoptive parents have told me, which isn't much. placed in the home of Robert and Jane. My dad was born and raised in Spanish Fork, Utah. My mother came from rich Mormon pioneer stock who settled in southern Idaho. Married in the mid-1960s, they discovered fairly quickly that they were unable to have any biological children. I never knew why, and when I asked, they didn't tell me. It didn't matter. My father grew up hearing about Alaska. His grandfather chased gold there during the Yukon-Klondike gold rush in the early 1900s. Dad somewhat idolized his grandfather, and in 1969, he sold my mother's beloved Ford Mustang and bought an ugly Mercury Cougar, her words, not his, and they moved to Anchorage, Alaska to seek their fortune. Both were teachers in the Anchorage School District. After getting settled, my parents sought out adoption options. As they were both active Mormons, 
they utilized LDS social services. In July of 1972, social workers for the agency in Washington State selected my parents' home to place my sister. Four years later, I was born and adopted through the same LDS social services office. They had a rule of only two adoptive children per home at their agency, so it was just my sister and I growing up. Some adopted parents feel they need to keep adoption secret from their children. Mine never did. Both my sister and I knew all along. I can remember my mom asking once if I felt less than or different for not being her biological child. I didn't. I never did. Being that my family had no biological children probably helped. All I know is this family. It's safety, security, and love. I remember when I was 10 years old, I'd get in trouble with my parents for various small infractions. I'd get sent to my room or whatever, and I can vividly remember thinking that if I hadn't been given up for adoption, I could have drank caffeinated beverages or whatever I was in trouble for. I had absolutely no concept of how different a life I would have had had I not been put up for adoption. That realization came in my 20s. Picture, Tampa, Florida, July, 90 degrees, 90% relative humidity. A young elder from Alaska was doing his best to serve the Lord by eating dinner at members' homes. Once the topic of adoption came up, I mentioned that I was adopted. Invariably, the next question came, did you or are you going to find your birth parents? Then, in a trembling testimony voice way, I said that I had no interest in finding her in this life, but most certainly in the next. I would find her, give her a hug, and thank her for her purest, altruistic act of love of giving me away so I could have the life she knew she could not provide for me as a young single mother. This attitude held until my faith crisis recently. Now it sounds odd. Why wouldn't I want to find her in this life? Why wouldn't I want to tell her that now? About a year ago, I was cruising the internet. In true internet rabbit hole fashion, I set out looking at guitars or boats or something. And by the end, I was on Reddit reading stories of women who had given up children through LDS social services. Story after story recounted feelings of being treated as sinners, being coerced, made to feel guilty, and less than for getting pregnant out of wedlock being pressured to adopt the baby out because there's no way you can care for this precious child of her Heavenly Father. Parents and or religious leaders would highly pressure these girls into doing, quote, what was best for them. And I began to wonder, was that the experience of my birth mother? Was she made to feel less than? Was it her choice to give me up for adoption or did her parents make that decision for her? Or even... Was I the product of some heinous sexual assault? 
Does she ever think of me? Or was the whole thing so traumatic that she's tried to shut the memory of it out of her mind? And for the first time, I wanted to contact her. I wanted to reach out to her and say, this thing happened in 1977. You and I shared a moment. One you undoubtedly remember, but I was too young. You formed me. You carried me. You gave me life. Even though I haven't met you, I am part you. I want you to know that giving me away was okay. Good, even. I got a chance in life to thrive, to live a life that you would want me to have, to be safe, cared for, educated, and most importantly, to be loved. As you know, adoption in those days were closed. And once you gave birth, I was no longer yours. There was no way for you to know anything about me. Did you want to know anything about me? You didn't receive any letters, no pictures, no updates exchanged, and especially no visits whatsoever. All I know about you is what my mom told me, that you were in college, and that it was essential that I go to a home where music was important. Indeed, I went to a home where music was very important. My mom played piano and sang, and was the ward organist for decades. My mother's great-great-grandfather was commissioned by Brigham Young to start the choir that became the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. You better believe she made sure I knew that on a nearly daily basis. Music is still important to me today. Playing and composing music is my go-to emotional support tool, one that has kept me from destructive behaviors for years, a gift you gave me. I want to know, what was your experience like? Was I the result of an unfortunate circumstance? Were you pressured? Did you want to keep me? Did you hold me? How often did you think about me then and now? Does your current family know about me? Did you grieve my departure? Have you searched for me ever? I mean, how can you? You didn't know my name or anything about me. Now that I know who you are, do you want me to reach out? A while ago, I learned from my sister that you can write the state of Washington and request your original birth certificate from a sealed adoption for money. I guess it's true. You really can buy anything in this world with money. She had done it a while ago. I offered to do some internet sleuthing to see if I could help. When I learned her birth mother's name, Julie Taylor, shit. That's about as rare as a name like... Joe Smith. I looked and looked, but there was nothing in the numerous Julie Taylors to indicate a lead worth following. As my sister was born in King County, Washington, home to Seattle, there were probably a dozen Julie Taylors in the county alone. Hmm. That got me thinking. Maybe I should request mine. I did. A few weeks ago, I received two very important pieces of mail. 
One was my professional credential that I need to work. So, you know, very important. The other one was from the state of Washington. For the moment, my credential might as well have been toilet paper. Give me that envelope with George Washington's head on it. I eagerly opened it, but I had some trepidation too of what it might say. I pulled the paper out and unfolded it. Holy crap. For the first time in my life, I saw the name of my birth mother, and it was very unusual. Jackpot! Wife! I didn't actually say wife. I did call her by name. Get me my computer. Hmm. Let's see. Open a browser. Type F-A-C-E-B-O-O-O. Oh, that's one too many O's. K.com. Enter. Type in her name. Enter. One hit? Seriously? It can't be this easy. Huh. Age looks right. That chin kind of looks like mine. What about her likes? Mm-hmm. 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 Bernie Sanders. Anthony Bourdain. Hmm. Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Oh, my goodness. This has got to be her. I'm not sure what to feel, what to think, what to do. Since experiencing a faith crisis, I've learned to live with feelings such as those, so it's not as crippling as it would have been in times past. I want to reach out, but I'm afraid. I may have the wrong person. I want to meet her, but at the same time, I'm not looking for a new family, so to speak. I have hopes and expectations, but I know I can't act until I'm ready to accept what I find on the other end of the line. She is her own person, after all. I don't live in the Truman Show. My actions at this point have very real consequences. As the adoption was sealed, were I to contact her, I may be opening up an otherwise healed wound. I really don't want to do that. Whether or not she had the choice, she gave me the gift of the life I now have. Along with me on this exploration is my sister. She commented on how we both have been focusing on our birth mothers. Are they okay? Rather than, why did you give me away? It's a testament to our adopted parents' ability to provide us with the security we needed as we grew and developed into adulthood to be able to wonder about the other person. I can remember my mother telling me time and time again about how I and my sister were meant to be members of this family, no matter how we came to be a part of it. Heavenly Father planned it all along for the four of us to be a family. It must have been difficult to be Mormon in the 70s and not to be able to bear children of your own. Families and posterity are so central to Mormon doctrine and culture that a person can scarcely be involved without a constant reminder of an unattainable dream. 
to be able to adopt through an agency connected to the church must have been viewed as a great blessing. I can somewhat understand. I've been in that situation myself. With my former wife, we were unable to have any biological children. We reached out to LDS Social Services in hopes of adopting. It never materialized for us. By the time I remarried, the agency was in process of ending adoption services, and it wasn't available. We spent a small fortune on medical assistance. None of it worked. Each time it got harder and harder and harder, until we finally gave up a little over a year ago. Imagine my surprise, and my wife's, when last summer I came home from work to the announcement that she was pregnant. Get out of town, lady. No way. It was true. At the first ultrasound, there was a little jelly bean bouncing around on the screen. Wow, I thought. If this child makes it, for the first time in my life, I'll be living with someone who is genetically connected to me. I don't know how it sounds to all of you, but mind blown for me, for sure. My daughter is six months old now. I look at her and see features of both my wife and myself. It's a bit trippy. Growing up in a family of four, where all four of us had different biological mothers and fathers, and now the next generation is a synthesis of my wife and I, I can't think of it any other way than to say, miraculous. As peculiar as it sounds, when I would travel through the Seattle airport, I would watch people a little more intently, hoping to catch a glimpse of perhaps a half-brother or a half-sister or even one of my biological parents. Now, I have a name. So, here I sit, wondering what to do next. So many questions. I want to reach out to my birth mother, but I have no indication that she wants me to. I mean, what do you do? Send a random email or a Facebook message? Hi, I'm that kid you gave away 40 years ago. I just wanted you to know I still exist. That seems random and a bit harsh. Here, just let me insert myself into your life in some manner, quite uninvited. Some days, I really wish there was an infant on a throne who would provide guidance. Hey, that was great. All right, listeners, don't forget to go to our website and vote for this essay, provide some feedback. And if you've got something you want to say and you can squeeze it in before the end of November, record your own listener essay, send it to us, we'll post it. Come support us on Patreon. And as always, thanks for listening to Infants on Thrones. Hi, this is Hillary. Matthew Ryan. Carol Dutchley. And I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Infants on Thrones.